Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz, and got a big week for you. Media days are starting, which means that games are just shortly around the corner. Remember, the college basketball season starts on November 6th with the Champions Classic, Duke and Kentucky, Michigan State, and Kansas. That is the headline event here in our headlines. We are just weeks away from that taking place on November 6th at Bankers Fieldhouse Arena in Indianapolis. But in the headlines coming up this week, two major media days in Chicago, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12 will be out in San Francisco. Next week, you've got the SEC down in Birmingham, the American in Philadelphia, and you've got the Atlantic 10 in Brooklyn. The following week, just another couple as well. The ACC will be in Charlotte. The Big 12 will be in Kansas City. And then the Big East caps it all off toward the end of the week in New York City. So you're going to hear a lot of college basketball chatter on throughout social media, of course, on our social media platforms. I'm going to be at six of those eight media days covering it for the March Madness media platforms, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook. We'll be doing podcasts from a number of these sites that we'll hear every Monday night into Tuesday from the Big Ten, collecting you know interviews that you're going to hear from the ACC, from the SEC. Uh, so you're going to hear a little bit of everything over the next couple of weeks. We'll be talking about the other leagues if you don't just necessarily hear an interview because I want to share my thoughts on what I gather uh, each of the next three weeks. So in advance of the media days this week, I'll be in Chicago for the Big Ten media day on Thursday. Look, this, I think, will be a very deep Big Ten conference this season. Uh, at the top, I still think you're going to have to go with Michigan State. And then after that, you know, it could be Nebraska, it could be Purdue, it could be Michigan, it could be Indiana, Wisconsin, Minnesota. I think any one of those schools could be pushing Michigan State for that number one spot in the Big Ten. Yes, a number of these teams are coming back with players who've been hurt, newcomers that are obviously high profile, but I think you're going to see uh, a really competitive Big Ten from probably one to eight in this Big Ten season that's got a 20-game league schedule. The ACC will go to 20 games the following year, just in time when the ACC Network uh, starts in 2019-20. So 20 Big Ten regular season games this season certainly will change the dynamic a little bit. Great competition, obviously getting them more high-profile games uh, for the Big Ten teams. Uh, I think the player of the year is going to end up being Carson Edwards, but he's going to be pushed from Purdue because you've got veteran guys like Ethan Happ at Wisconsin, Juwan Morgan at Indiana, Jordan Murphy at Minnesota. People forget about him. He was a double-double machine. And then you've got high-profile freshmen like Romeo Lankford from Indiana. What if he has an unbelievable breakout season? Uh, So 
I think the competition for Big Ten Player of the Year is going to be phenomenal. Out in the Pac-12, Washington, to me, is going to be the team to beat, but uh, not by a wide margin. I think UCLA could certainly push them. Oregon, with Bull Bull, who's going to come in with plenty of hype. Uh, I would not sleep on USC in any way. We've had Benny Boatwright on the podcast. They're going to be pushing them. Uh, Arizona's a big unknown to me. They could be all over the map. Arizona State, kind of the same thing. Uh, my sleeper that I think could rise up is Colorado. I've been on record that I love McKinley Wright the fourth. I think he's one of the best point guards in the country. So Colorado's sort of my dark horse that could really rise up in there. And then the shooting from Oregon State, um, I think they're going to be a factor in some form or fashion. So I think it's going to be very competitive once again. Utah is a little bit of a myth mystery right now, too, but I wouldn't sleep on anything Larry Custodiak can do out at uh, Utah because they've been competitive every single season that he's been there, either in the tournament or on the verge of getting in. In terms of player of the year in the Pac-12, uh, you know, Chris Wilkes from UCLA, Benny Boatwright from USC, uh, Matisse Teibel from or Noah Dickerson from Washington, they could all be in the mix. You know, I, I would say McKinley Wright could as well. Peyton Pritchard from Oregon. Uh, I, I think that race is wide, wide open for Player of the Year in the Pac-12. On this podcast, as we're teeing up here in segment two, I'm going to be joined by Loyola head coach Porter Moser, uh, six months removed from taking his team to the Final Four in historic fashion. And then during my fast break interview, Gonzaga's Josh Perkins, two years ago he was in the final game losing to North Carolina two seasons ago, uh, and he feels like they got a team that could get right back to there. That'll be coming up in my Fast Break segment. Coming up here in our featured interview segment, Porter Moser, the head coach of Loyola Chicago, trying to do something that no team has done outside of a power conference since Butler in 2010-11. This is before Butler was in the Big East, obviously, when they went back-to-back Final Fours. Uh, There has not been a team outside of a power conference that has done that, since then. And for any naysayers out there, yeah, the Big East is a power conference. So Villanova's certainly been to multiple Final Fours. The Big East is a power conference. Don't ever, ever, ever have anyone tell you anything different. It's not football. There's not a Power Five or P P6 or anything like that. There is, you can go up to, I think, eight in terms of power conferences, in my opinion, and I think it's the right one. So there. Uh, so uh, Porter's going to really discuss scheduling difficulties, uh, the unbelievable offseason, plenty to dissect with Porter as he tries to get Loyola back to another Final Four. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Porter Moser, the head coach of Loyola Chicago. Well, Porter, uh, you've had this exhausting but celebratory offseason and now you got to restart. You've already started practice. Uh, how much have you been able to sort of reset your mind and the returning player's mind that you got another grind ahead after such an emotional, unbelievable Final Four run? You know, Andy, we spent a ton of time this summer talking about look, moving forward and being obsessed with getting better. Our whole message, and I really talked to a lot of coaches in the profession that kind of studied guys that had, like, program changing years and then followed it with not so much. And then also studying guys that had those kind of years and followed it again. And one of the things that keeps coming up is that you got to keep chasing. You got to stay hungry. I, we showed our guys clips of that training camp with Alabama football on how coach Saban brought in Kobe Bryant and they won the national championship. And you could just feel the obsession with getting better. 
And we talk to our guys. We can't stay the same. I mean, our coaches, we got to get better. The players got better. We, we identified different crosses that they got to bear in their individual game that they had to get better. And so it was just such a focus on that and not defending anything. It was all forward thinking. And um, I think our guys had the best summer we've ever had. Well, well, to that point, I mean, how were you able to balance forward thinking while at the same time, at least I could see on your end, I mean, you were constantly celebrating, whether it was at Wrigley Field or wherever, you know, there was a constant sort of celebration going on at the same time. How did you balance the two? You know, it, it was almost the same parallel as what was going on and what I was asked through the run. Everyone kept on saying, you know, God, there's so much hype around our program and the guys look like they're having the time of their lives. How are you getting them to focus? And it, we simply just talked about it. You know, we said we got to when, when it's time in a film session, it's time doing for a walkthrough at a hotel, whatever practice, we got to have this laser like focus. And it has been crazy. I mean, it's been somewhat of a reality show for like Custer Towns and a couple of these guys around town. But not one time have I seen any entitlement in the workouts from them. Not one time has it been any entitlement walking around campus. Um, and so it's been a little bit easier to balance because of the type of people they are. They haven't let this thing um, entitle them and affect their absolute leadership and passion in their workouts and when we got to take care of business. All right, so there's been one team that I can remember in the sort of the modern era uh, from not a power league, because at the time Butler was not in the Big East, that has been able to do it twice. Uh, and that was Butler back-to-back in 2010 and 11. We've had the one-offs with George Mason, VCU, and once again, those schools at the time were not in the Atlantic 10. Wichita State has gotten there at the time. They were in your league, the Valley. Now they're in the American, so they all moved up. Uh, and obviously it's made it a little bit difficult. How does Loyola do maybe what Butler did and get back? Well, one of the things, as I'm obsessed with finding out, Brad is, is Stevens has been – really gracious. We're actually talking later today and I'm going out there Wednesday on our day off. I'm spending a day out there and I am obsessed with that about what is, and, and the guys, it's, everything just keeps coming down to, I talked to one guy in the profession that had a, a program changing year and the next year it didn't happen. It is. And he said, you've got to watch for guys wanting to skip the process, wanting them to be focused on March. And we've just been openly talking about that with our guys, you know, one of the things we did last year is we were really focused on winning the now focused on the process one game at a time. And we did a really good job of that. And we talked about, I, I said what this coach told us, I said, Hey, they, they talked about their team. We started thinking way about March and not about getting better in the summer, putting in time in the fall, one game at a time. And it just kind of snowballed away from them. And I think when you, you address things and you talk about things and, you know, I know we're going to have adversities. I know we're going to have, slumps and things that's when your culture the togetherness has got to be strong and you know i don't know if there's a magic answer to it i want to just keep our guys chasing one thing about it is you know the 2018-19 missouri valley championship everyone keeps going oh they're gonna everyone's coming after you well we're going after the championship no one's no one has that championship yet we're chasing that we're not defending last year's we're chasing this year's championship i think that's a mentality you've got to stay on top of and keep staying hungry. So we talked in the offseason a lot about your schedule. And 
you know, everyone would assume that doesn't understand the sort of uh, in the minutia of this. Oh, they're in the final four. Everyone's going to want to play them, put them on TV and all that. Well, yeah, that's not what happens. Uh, that, you know, <laughs> uh, they have existing television contracts with the power leagues, and it's incredibly hard to crack that. And then there are the, the tournaments that are scheduled way in advance, the non-conference ones, the, you know, the high-profile ones. So it takes a long time to get over that hurdle. You know, it took Gonzaga a while. It's taken all these other schools, you know, time to get in. Butler, obviously, as I mentioned. So I know you switch tournaments to get into at least a better one down in Fort Myers. You can play Richmond and then either BC or Wyoming. Both BC and Wyoming have high profile individual players. We'll see how they're good or, or good as a team. Kai Bowman, by the way, one of the better players in the country if you end up playing BC. You got the Nevada game rematch from the Sweet 16 of a year ago. That game, though, was done for you in the Mountain West Missouri Valley Challenge. And then outside of that, if I'm not mistaken, there's only two that you were able to sort of do on your own outside of switching that tournament. And that's the Maryland game in Baltimore and St. Joe's in Philly. Am I right about that? And how hard was it to even get those two, let alone anyone else, to play you? You're right about those, the St. Joe's, the Maryland and that that we did since the final four. And the other one was ball state. We did a series of ball state and ball state's one of those teams that a lot of people could be talking to like, like Loyola Buffalo at the end of the year, they, they have everybody back and they have, you know, they have two high major transfers sitting out and they were one of the teams left in August too, that nobody wanted to play. And all, you know, so we did a home and home series of ball state, but it is, it's really, really hard, Andy. And uh, it's something that you just got to, continue to work and fight um, and uh, try to put yourself in a position to do things. You know, we did, you know, play the one game guarantee with Maryland. That's going to be a a good game for us. Um, But it's very hard to get home games and I get it. I had a big 10 coaching friend say to me, you know, Hey, we went to 20 games. We have the ACC challenge, big 10. We got the Gavit games challenge plus an MTE that starts to be like 25 really, really big games. So I get it. I get it. And I don't have to like it, but I, but I get it. And uh, we just got to continue to fight. And then we got to take care of what we have. I mean, that's the schedule is our schedule. I think it is more cha- challenging. You know, I think um, we were able to buy a game or two. We got Furman coming in. I, I think they won 23 games. So it's not like we're trying to play 350 uh, RPI teams. Um, I think they're a really good program. And uh, so I, I think that's a good game for us. Our UIC games, always a rivalry. They won 20 games last year and have everybody back. I think they're going to be picked to win the Horizon League. So we're trying, even though we can't get the Power 5 games, we're trying to play top-tier teams in other leagues like ours. And uh, I think that's really important. And then you just got to gotta win. <laughs> you got to win. You just got to take care of what's in front of you and win one game at a time. And uh, – because that's out of my control from here on out. Just w- what it is, is try to win. All right. So in the Valley, uh, what are the chances that you guys will get seriously? I mean, you're going to be picked to win, but seriously pushed like perhaps by Illinois State, uh, which if healthy, certainly could be right there in the mix. I, I had them as one of my sleeper teams. I mean, what's your sense about how much you guys will really have to work hard to try to win this league? I am good. I am so I'm a, everyone knows I played in the Valley and I'm here. So I love the Valley. I just think it's a great basketball league. Andy, this year reminds me of the year when I was at Illinois State and there was four teams that got in and then Missouri State was ranked 21 and didn't get in. And at the, on the, during the selection Sunday, they said 
you know, how you go, these are the good wins um, and these are the bad wins. Right now, when you saw the last couple of years, when you see the good wins from a Valley team, they're out of league, out of conference league. This is going to be a year where when they put up good wins at the end of the year, it's going to be games against each other, just like it was back then. You think about this. Southern Illinois finished second. They have all five starters back. And they have a player that was all league the year before that was injured that sat out, Teak Bull. Then you have Illinois State finished third. They have like their top eight, eight or nine back. Then you have Bradley who finished fourth. They have eight of their top nine back. Then you have Northern Iowa who signed, you know, A.J. Green. Indiana State with Greg Lansing, what they're doing there. They had a couple big sit-outs. They had Barnes coming back. I think this is going to be – Valparaiso has everybody back. I just think it's going to be the best year in the Valley. And I, I'm, at the end of the year, I think you're going to see when the people start talking about good wins in their resume, there's going to be a lot against each other because the Valley is going to be that strong. All right. So let's talk about the team. Uh, the core of this team is back. Yep. Uh, I mean, obviously you, lo- you lost a couple of key guys, but you've got one of the best shooters in the country in Clayton Custer. Marcus Towns made big shots for you. Lucas Williamson certainly was a key factor. You know, you got more than you thought you were going to get from Cameron Crutwig inside. What's your sense after watching this team about what you've got back for this season? You know, I, I love my two seniors, Clayton Custer and Marcus Towns. They were actually our top two scorers from last year. Um, we lose three really good pieces. Obviously, Dante Ingram, Ben Richardson, and Andre Jackson. But here's the thing. I was asked, Andy, at Media Day with the Valley about, hey, how's Clayton and Marcus going to do in their new roles? And I just kind of paused, and I was like, they're not new roles. Um, They're going to play the same roles, but better. And I immediately took those two to lunch. I'm like, don't think this whole weight of the world is on you two. You know, we had kind of a shared uh, leadership, a shared unselfishness. They got to play the same roles they did last year. They just got to do it better. And I don't want them to feel like they got the weight of the world. But, Andy, they are – I've challenged them. They've got to be the hardest two workers in practice every day. And they've been doing that so far. And then the other one are, are two of our freshmen that played a lot last year, Crutwig and Lucas, like you mentioned. You know, Lucas was really um, learning from Ben Richardson in terms of being a dominant defensive player. And Lucas has really worked on He's gotten much stronger. Both of those freshmen have way better bodies than they did as freshmen, and they should have. Crutwig has slimmed down. The thing I like about Crutwig is that he's the loudest player in the gym every day. He is the loudest player. Um, he's, he's like a 5'8 walk-on. You know, he's chirping, picking everybody up. You never see your center that's the loudest guy. We've got to get our guard. That's the one thing I've talked to Lucas, Marcus, and Clay about, is Ben and Dante were the two loudest last year, and they've got to be more vocal. I think Bruno Skokna was, was our 7th, 8th, ninth guy. He kind of got a lot of minutes every game. He's been in the program two years. He's got a chance to step up and really take the next step. And then, Andy, the, we, we've done really well with transfers sitting out. We've got a really good transfer, and I know I saw that transfer list. He didn't do much at New Mexico his freshman year, but he I, sat I debated out. putting on it. I'm sorry. I did debate on him. No, he, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have because he didn't do anything in New Mexico. Nobody, And he hasn't done anything yet. But every day in practice, he's been a really good player for us. It's a here guac. He's Lou Aldeng's cousin. Ahiri Guac? Yes. Okay. Yep. Make sure I pronounce that right. We're excited about him. I mean, he's he's in that Dante Ingram mismatch mold. He sat out last year, so he's been in the culture. He's in a, 
I think he's going to have a huge role for us this year. You know, you're fired up. Uh, I love the enthusiasm. I don't see how your players are <laughs> embracing every second of it. But, uh, you know, the, the Wrigley Field thing, I just want to get back to that for a second here. Did I see that right? Did you do it twice? I did. This year I did it twice. I did it opening day with Custer and Towns, or Richardson and Towns, who completely brought me down. I mean, those two just completely – I mean, they, they can dance better, but they were, they were not, they were killing me. But then we just did it the other day, uh, the 27th and, um, and just had a ton of fun with it. It was just fun. My kids were up there in the booth and it was Loyola night and there was about 2000 Loyola fans at Wrigley. And it's just being a lifelong Cubs fan. It's just a fun experience. And I, I have a ton of fun with it. So the one last thing Porter that I know you can't control, but you know, I got to believe it's going to happen is there was this sort of this tidal wave of, fan enthusiasm not just from your following which i think people don't realize you know how many alumni are around chicago and around the country but you know there was the mainstream fans that were all in but you know it was natural it was march and it was this great story and sister jean what are the chances that that wave of enthusiasm can begin in november you know in your arena beginning at the beginning of the season and not have to wait until you get on some run in March again? That's the million dollar question. And that's what, that's what you, you pray for. I mean, I've been wanting this program to be relevant and to see, to think about, we finished last in attendance last year in the Valley, but at the end of the year, we were selling out every game. So I hope that picks right back up because I know when we go on the road everywhere in the Valley, there's going to be sellouts. We're going to have to play that on a road, but this, this arena was it's 5,000. It was unbelievable at that Illinois state game at the end of the year. So we are hoping that it picks up the, the sign of the season ticket sales. It's, it's like shattering every record breaking that they've ever had here. I mean, we've sold out the lower bowl, the upper bowl between the lane lines or, or the uh, end line to end lines completely sold out. We've had to block off student stuff. So we're hoping those are going to be, you know, that thing where they're waiting for them. So you just hope, but you, you know, I just got to take care of what I can control. I'll still be out in the dorms and still be on campus, passing out hot dogs, trying to get the students coming. But, uh, you hope it picks up right where it left off. And then you also hope, Andy, is that, you know, when we do stumble, you know, Loyola has been really good at staying with you. And uh, that's what you hope, that, you know, because obviously expectations are, are higher. And uh, I embrace those. But um, you, you just hope that, you know, it's a long season. Uh, and uh, how is Sister Jean? Great. I mean, she's like she's on a schedule that a 30 year old couldn't do. And the thing about it is it, it's it's truly unbelievable when you, I mean, if she comes out of campus and she's on campus, it's like a paparazzi. (laughs) There's a million people every time trying to take a picture with her and she's just welcoming it. I want to send her to like Palm beach, Florida for like a month and just chill and then get her back for the opening game because she doesn't say no to anybody. She's just so gracious. She accepts everything. And, you know, we just hope, you know, she takes a little rest here because, uh, and gets geared up for the season, but she's, phenomenal still well porter great talking to you great catching up and i know i'll see you soon thanks andy appreciate it and when we come back here on march madness 365 my fast break interview with gonzaga's josh perkins and now joining me here on march madness 365 gonzaga senior point guard josh perkins the zags were number one in my pre preseason power 36 uh, our top 25 will be coming out this week and uh, still deciding if the Zags are going to be in somewhere in that top three, as there's been a lot of additions, uh, some other teams around the country. But, uh, Josh, I know you've got some humility, uh, but I know you believe in this team. So I want you to help me make my case 
maybe not for number one, but at least why the Zags could be one of the best teams in the country. Well, I mean, I'm going to go out and say I think we should be number one, you know, not only because of what we've done in the past, but just because this year we've got a solid core group, you know, with me, you know, Rui Hachimura, Killian Tilly, you know, Zach Norvell, Corey Kispert, you know, some young guys who got some experience from last year. But we also have, you know, some new guys that are stepping in um, and Brandon Clark, you know, Gina Crandall. And like I said, like the young guys got bigger roles and Corey. And we got Philip coming off, too. So I mean, we got we got a we got a lot of names and we got a lot of one. We got a lot of people who are hungry with points to prove. So I think just uh, all that collectively and all that stuff together, I think we got a good case to to be in that, that top of your list. I mean, you were. Uh, a very important part of the national runner-up team two seasons ago. And you guys were right there to win the national championship. It just went a little sideways in the final couple of minutes, obviously some foul trouble, mm-hmm. and you ended up losing to North Carolina. For the core group that remained from that team, how much has that sort of weighed a little bit, you know, on the back of your, in the back of your minds, knowing that you guys were so close to a championship and that it's out there that if you guys can take care of business, you could put yourself in position to compete for another one. Yeah. Like you said, we were in that game, but we came up a little short. So, I mean, I think it was honestly a blessing. Uh, I mean, obviously we wanted to come up the victor in, in that game, but we didn't. So we just had to you know, learn from it. No, and I definitely put that fire, you know, back in my chest, you know, that chip on my shoulder uh, being that close and coming up short. But like I said, like we, we got the recipe, like we know, now we know what it takes and like what we have to do you know, as a team. We have to do individually. Like the coaches know what they need to do. So, I mean, we know what it takes and we know how to get there. It's just, are we willing to buy in and are we willing to put in, sacrifice that much time for each other, sacrifice, you know, individual accolades for, for the better of the group so we can get back to that stage. But, I mean, like I said, we've got the pieces. It's just the buying factor that we got to, we got to get down. And, and Josh, I don't want necessarily need to rehash the Florida state game, but and I'm not going to say it's an excuse, but I don't think enough was said at the time of the timing of Killian Tilly's injury. I mean, from what I remember, and I was at a different regional, I think I was in Atlanta or Boston, you know, that was going on when you, when you guys, Tilly went out for warmups and it looked like he was going to play, then he comes back in and suddenly, you know, Coach Few finds out he can't go. How, how much did that sort of derail you guys? You know, against a team that's got a lot of length, athletic, you know, when you needed someone like Tilly to beat the Seminoles. Yeah, like you said, it's not going to make any excuse. You know, they they definitely won that game. But, you know, Tilly's one of our best players. You know, for me personally, he's another, you know, shooting option, another scoring threat through our team. Um, he spaces the floor, but he's also 6'10", you know what I mean? So he can help us on the, on the rebounds. And, I mean, those guys are really good at, you know, speeding us up and taking the ball out of my hands and, you know, contesting and blocking shots with their length. Um, but I think if, you know, Tilly's out there, he's stretching the floor a little bit, get those big guys away from the hoop, then we can do what we did all year, which is, you know, space the floor, find the open guy, you know, play off each other. Um, so, I mean, like you say, him going down and us finding out, like in one of us, that he couldn't go. I mean, it was obviously a, a huge blow that we felt. Um, but, I mean, it's a team here, and, you know, Tilly did his job. He tried to pick us up, you know, from the bench, and we we tried our best to pick it up for our brother who went down. We just came up a little short in that game. All right, so Rui Hachimura, you know, had a good international season playing for his native Japan. He continues to progress. Zach Norville was a big-time shot maker uh, last season. Uh, for those of us that have not seen you guys on the court yet, you're there every day. What have you seen from your two teammates as to how they have improved going into what would be, what, a sophomore and a 
senior. Wait, Rui's a senior, right? Junior, junior. Junior, excuse me. Sophomore and junior season. Um, because you've, you've seen them from day one. What have you seen in terms of their improvements uh, now that uh, practice has started? Oh, man. Well, I'll just start off with, with Snacks. A guy who, who's, who's scoring is just his nature. You know, he can get the ball up and he puts it in the hoop, you know, at a high rate. He's really good at scoring the ball and he's also really good at, you know, getting other teammates involved and just bringing immediate offense to the team. Um, but he was doing that, you know, as a freshman last year. So now just him understanding when to take the shots, him understanding why he took certain shots and him just reacting to what certain defenses are playing on him. So it's just like the experience. He has a full year under his belt. And obviously he should have, you know, tremendous confidence coming of how he played as a freshman. So now he's more confident and now he's putting that with the smarts and also figuring out more of the offense, you know, what coaches prefer, what shots they like, what team shots they like and whatnot. So now we just, the confidence with the experience now with, you know, the drive and the want, because he's also one of the, you know, the emotional leader on the team as well. So I mean, he's just growing as a player and growing as a person. So I think, you know, He's the full package this year, you know, with the confidence and whatnot. And then Rui, as you said, I mean, he's had a big time, you know, I think underestimated college career. You know, we've had players been in front of him where he didn't get to show um, who he really is, but he's done, you know, bought in to help the team. But he's been a guy who's had a tremendous summer. He's a real quiet, laid back guy. Um, so I have to tell him every day that he's the best player on the court. And I think he believes it now. So it's, like I said, it's just a confidence with him. Um, he's under, he's been here for three years, so he understands what the coaches want. The offensively, defensively, he can communicate better. So, I mean, just every day Rui grows as not only a person, but as a leader as well on our team. And uh, he, he's going to be really scary. He's really huge for us. So looking forward to him having his breakout here and showing the world who he really is. Josh, there was some flirtation by Gonzaga with the Mountain West. The Zags are staying in the WCC. And I don't think people fully appreciate what you guys go through on the road in the WCC. I mean, you play a great non-conference schedule, big-time games, great venues. On the road in the WCC, every game you guys play, it's the biggest game of the season for that opposing team. Santa Clara, San Diego, San Francisco, you name it. What's it like to go into those you know, sort of bandbox gyms knowing that you are the biggest game that those teams will play all season long, and they're going to have the greatest crowd for when Gonzaga comes in. Yeah, like you said, I mean, we, we don't get a lot of credit for you know our conference. Um, but like you said, on the road, we're getting the team's best. You know, we got that target on our back at every away game at WCC. It's their it's their championship. You know, it's their Super Bowl. I mean, the game's pretty much sold out when we come into their home gym. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you said, it's the biggest game of the year for them. So uh, and they have nothing to lose. You know how you know how a team is when they have nothing to lose. You just come out. You, know, you play super hard. You make tough shots that you usually don't make on a you know consistent basis. So, I mean, like you said, we should get our team's best, and uh, but we got to go out there and you know take care of the things that we control. Um, and our defense has to travel, and I think our defense is what gets us over the hump as the way games majority of the time. But yeah, like I said, we come in and we got to be ready to fight on the way game right away. All right, Josh. Before I let you go, you know I know uh, Coach View very well. I've known him for a long time. The public perception is he's got, you know, very chill, very laid back. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes you see him get obviously intense on the side, but you're there every day in practice. What's the side in terms of the intensity side of Coach Few that the rest of us don't always see? Oh, Coach Few, I mean, he's a winner. He's going to do whatever he can to bring out the winning he knew. You know, uh, he comes off as a chill guy, and he is. I mean, he's a real chill guy, and he talks to you how you want to be talked to. But he's real good at, you know, finding that 
finding that niche, finding that that nag that will bring something that will bring out the best in you. And I didn't really figure this out until, you know, latter part of last year and even to this year. I mean, you see, point guard and coach, you bang heads sometimes, but I think me and coach are on a great, on a great, we're on the same page, you know, a great mindset. And uh, like like I'm saying, he, he brings out the best in me. And I think now that I'm mature enough to, to know how he's doing it, I really, I truly appreciate playing here four years. And now I'm ready to even bring his message on to my players this year. Josh, I appreciate it. Now we'll be following the Zags throughout the course of the non-conference and the season. Thanks for coming on March Madness 365. No, thanks for having me, guys. And that'll wrap up this edition of March Madness 365. And wherever you find a Turner podcast, that's where you can find March Madness 365. You can also find our podcast on all our March Madness social media platforms, NCA.com, of course, on Twitter and on Facebook. And as always, thanks for listening.